below Brian's, and possibly not Brian's. Uh, this is all the Brian's where a Brian interviews Brian's. <laughs> so this is an important episode because we progress from a Brian I know to a Brian I know through a friend to now the first of the Brian's that have just boldly replied to the idea of the show through a Craigslist posting. <laughs> and here is what I posted. Uh, the headline was, if your name is Brian, get interviewed for a podcast, hyphen, free beer. <laughs> Uh, and then the body paragraph says, Hi, Brian. My name is Brian, and I'm interviewing other people named Brian in New York for a podcast. If your name is not Brian, then why did you click on this? Please reevaluate your decision-making skills. Or forward this to a Brian you know. If your name is Brian, and there's an asterisk here, which I'll get to later, congrats. You're completely qualified to be interviewed. But please reply with what you do for a living. I'm hoping to interview a broad range of Brian's, so any job or in-between jobs is great. The podcast profiles various Brian's and then asks Brian-related questions. And then now this is explains what that asterisk is next to the if your name is Brian. I haven't decided about Brian's yet. That's Brian's with a Y. But reply if you're a Brian with a Y as well. So many Brian's replied. Uh, and thankfully they turn out to be pretty great Brian's. Not the stereotypical Craigslist weirdos. Um, because yeah, there's weirdos on Craigslist, but it's also an amazing tool if you just know how to use it right. And you can find amazing and funny shit. And the ways that people have seen this posting now have varied. So, find out towards the end of this interview how Brian Snyder came across the posting. Um, Brian is a fine fragrance perfumer technician for one of the big four perfume companies. <laughs> Um, and he'll tell us all about his job dealing with, dare I say, our most underappreciated sense, smell. And the term smelling uh, is used in interesting ways in this world, I find out. Here's that interview with Brian Snyder. Uh, hello, Brian. Uh, thank you for coming on the show and enlightening us with your Brian knowledge. Um, the first part of the show before the Brian-related questions is where we learn what kind of Brian you are by profiling like your job and a typical day. So uh, why don't you tell us your name and what do you do? Hey, Bri. Thanks for having <laughs> me. Uh, my name is Brian Snyder, and I am a perfume technician. Okay. Uh, so I've, I've, I've heard that perfumers uh, have been sometimes called like a nose, and I'm guessing that's like an old school term that might not apply to like modern, larger perfume companies where there's like more specialization. So does that term like, would that, would that term apply to you? Or are you too specialized now uh, nowadays? <laughs> Absolutely. There are still people that are called noses. Uh, there are whole teams of evaluators that are specialized with their nose. Perfumers have trained their nose. Uh, whereas I, I would not consider myself a nose. I would consider myself the, well, let me, let me paint a picture. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the perfumer is the artist. And he's painting on the canvas, and I am the brush, <laughs> to put it lightly and self-deprecatingly. Okay, okay. So, so a perfumer technician, that's your layman's terms of describing it. Right. You, you are the brush. Okay. So how, like, how big is, is your company? Do you work for like big perfume? Is that a term? Or is that also a Absolutely. term? Absolutely. <laughs> you have, uh, you have a, a bunch of areas which uh, fragrance goes into. There's fine fragrance, mm -hmm. which is cologne and perfume. There's, uh, you know, candles and some ancillary, uh, you know, toiletry, you know, your deodorants, your shampoos, lotions, uh -huh. things of that nature. So. so what is the range of like sizes of like 
companies that consider themselves in the business of perfume like right. are there like giant ones there's boutique ones is that like so there are four massive ones okay uh and do you work for one of the four? I work for one of the four. Okay, the big four. The big four, <laughs> the, the conglomerates, the, the corporate structure, the... So I've heard of the big four in accounting. I, hadn't, I didn't know that there was the big four in uh, perfume. <laughs> there, there is. It was a recent addition. It used to be a big three, and now there's... Okay, okay. Um, but then other than that, then there is... Is it mostly like just boutique type stuff? There's a, there's a little bit of that... Uh, you know, downtown, you hear some specialized perfume companies. I remember, what was that movie? Um, what was that Wes Anderson movie where, I think it was, uh, oh, the Grand Buda- Budapest Hotel? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, there was a, a boutique that actually created the fragrance that one of the characters wore. I forget which one, but um, supposedly it was very bad. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. At least that's what I heard through the grapevine from the noses all right so that's what that's what you get when you go to boutiques you get failure so stick with the big four this is what <laughs> brian is telling you no i'm just kidding but uh okay so are there you know are there a lot of french people in your company or is this just like a stereotype that it's like a french tradition a strong french tradition or is it actually kind of true no that it? is that is actually true i mean they have entire schools dedicated to the study of perfumery so yes like french people uh uh, there's quite a European influence. I would say it's more of a European influence, but certainly French has covered uh, Switzerland, Spain, England. I mean, yeah, it's Europe. Okay. <laughs> so you, you, when you're at work, you're hearing, are you hearing these like this camaraderie amongst like Europeans that are just, just switching to their own languages and you're just, you know, silly yeah. American, just like, okay. <laughs> no, they, they don't. It's not necessarily... You know, some of the stereotypes you might hear in France where the people are sort of put Americans down or yeah, like yeah. it's it, they're they're very smart people, people that I work with. They they speak some of them speak four to five languages. Uh, yeah, I hear they do that outside the United States. <laughs> I, yeah, I can barely speak Americans. So. Yes, me too. Um so, okay, so before we get into the actual process of, like, the making of the perfume uh, in your job, uh, like, what, what triggers the creation of a new perfume? Is it always, like, outside clients just asking uh, for a new perfume based on, like, some sort of market need or something? Or is it, like, there's internal experimentation creating new scents that, like, you would, like, then shop around? Like, what, right. what triggers it? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, we are in the fashion industry, so... Uh-huh. For the fine fragrance side, there is a little bit of like, oh, it's this season, so apparently this smell is in for whatever reason. I uh, don't know. I'm not really. I, I just <laughs> I'm in the laboratory. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, there is a little bit of that, and then in, in general, sometimes uh, there's a perfumer just gives an evaluator a great grand lineup of different fragrances that are all over that will go to a client. So do you, that's like throwing a dart at a dartboard. Like it's it could stick or it couldn't. Like, but but in but gen- most is it most is it more than client like uh, assignments? Then you have something that you're throwing at clients. It's mostly like we that we are dictated by the client. Okay. Uh, the client gives uh, the sales team and, and an evaluator comments as to what they want out of this and and so how do those descriptions like uh go because i imagine these are pretty like fanciful and interesting right right it's uh it's big words it's it's fancy fruit or you know just like (laughs) niche things but um so is it like uh 
like I, I want this perfume to evoke like this feeling. Yeah, and it, it's we create more than just like oh, this smells like so and so. It's like how does this make you feel? Like do you just make you think of summers in France? <laughs> or you know what I mean? Like yeah, we yeah, are trying yeah. to evoke a feeling. There is that aspect to it. And then is it also targeted like based on like research to be like that feeling we want there's a need for that or there could be an opportunity for like 40 to 45 year old women with discerning uh sense that uh have combined household incomes over two hundred and fifty five thousand dollars. I'm, sure, or... <laughs> I'm sure that's an aspect i can't comment i mean i'm sure so like what do you what do you see like what like what comes down your pipeline and then you're like what, are you seeing the, the the assignment description or are you getting more of like a a scientific uh mine is more just the meat and potatoes the scientific i get a formula which is yeah. basically like following a recipe i have uh 300 to 500 chemicals uh, raw materials i shouldn't say chemicals that's a dirty word raw materials <laughs> uh and some of them are are liquid some of them are are crystallized and i i'm the one that just mixes it all um and then i i put it in dilution I throw it in a concoction of alcohol and water. And uh, normally, uh, I should have said this first, I make a base and then like I'll do different variations off the base. Uh -huh. like, I'll make little trials and then we'll kick it back to the, the, the client and see which ones they like. And then it's sort of like a back and forth. And um, yeah, that's kind of the process. Okay, so what you're making your uh, mixtures is based off of more of a scientific uh, description of how things should smell or is it this needs to smell this way or is it more like numerical or chemical well it's one part um what the client wants it's another part of the perfumer if it's fine fragrance believes themselves to be creating uh something that speaks of their talents so they want their little spin on it and then there's also the aspect of uh chemical solubility uh, it is this oil, uh, is everything going to maintain when it goes on the shelf or is the color going to change? Is a crystal going to fall out of the oil? Like, like, how are we stabilizing this? So there is a, there's a chemistry aspect as well. Like, let's say this, uh, scent you're supposed to create is supposed to be like, uh, sexy. Um, is there like go-to commonly agreed upon ingredients or I don't even know if ingredients is the right words that... Uh, oh, yeah, you want sexy, here's this. Or it's probably more specific than... <laughs> I, I would say it's specific to the perfumer. <laughs> yeah. They believe that this this smell is sexy, whereas another one might say another thing. So they won't say sexy. They would say, like, okay, we believe, like, citrusy is more sexy right now. So it, it's more like, okay, here's citrusy and here's this, or that's more what we need, and then you go off of that. Like, it's more specific like that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Damn, I was hoping that they were just like, make it sexy. And then you're like in your lab, like, okay, yeah, so. I'll go to the sexy shelf. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Anchorman, uh, Sex Panther. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> what are the most common like ingredients? Is ingredients the right term? Yeah, uh, okay. I would say ingredients, raw materials. So what are the most common ingredients, uh, raw materials that are, are in uh, different scents and perfumes? It all kind of depends what you're looking for. Uh, a popular like citrus note would be uh, a lemon, a mandarin, or a bergamot. Mm -hmm. uh, those are all pretty popular. Uh, they're in most fragrance oils that I make. 
Not to, that I'm supposed to disclose that, but. <laughs> well, you never said where you work. That's true. <laughs> so. And I didn't say how much, so yeah. it's fine. Uh, and then we have some more uh, aromatic smelling materials. That would be like an anise or a lavender, uh, a lemongrass, something of that nature. Um, but some of the more popular materials are floral. Floral, uh, everything usually has like a rose or a jasmine or a lilac, like mm-hmm. that's very important. That's usually the heart of a fragrance. Uh, and some the citrus and aromatics usually at the that's like the top note. That's the thing you smell first, and then you get the heart, which could be rose, jasmine, or lilac. Uh, yeah. Is there three different uh, what is it sections of a smell? Like yeah, that's, like it's let's basically get, let's get even more down. rudimentary. Yeah, right. so like, there's like there's. You're saying the head is like the first, is that the first the, the thing you smell? Note, the thing that you smell first, yeah. And then the heart is like just what comes right after? <laughs> usually. And then the the base is like the strong, powerful thing that you're left with. Okay. And so how uh, how how long until you get the base? Like how, how, how uh, much time before you hit uh, that? <laughs> it kind of depends on the, the strength at which you're smelling. Uh, but it's, we're talking like, Two seconds, you know, yeah. all of, you know, <laughs> or nanoseconds, depending on. Okay. <laughs> uh, so other other like hearts could be a green note, which is you know something that would smell like cut grass or fresh. I would say it's hard. It's hard to uh, put it into words. It's uh, it's actually really interesting listening to people describe how things smell. It's just like oh yeah, they just sort of make up words. I feel well, like. so I I I feel like there's a similarity to like wine sommeliers where they're like able to like you know pull out notes of flavor and then they but then they like translate it into things that you don't know if it's like is that bullshit or not? Yeah, <laughs> like it smells like a bag of kicks it's or like, like a, a freshly opened can of tennis balls. Like it, <laughs> like you know, like is that true? <laughs> strange yeah <laughs> um then there could be a fruity note we're talking a pear raspberry peach and apple uh we have spicy which is clove nutmeg cinnamon that kind of stuff and then uh i'll talk about the base which is it's like a we'll have like a woody base which could be a cedar patchouli a moss note um and then there's the you know the vanillas and the heliotropin heliotrope and tonka beans these are this says balsamic. I don't know. To me, it's like a sweet or uh, powdery, but maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that that is the that's the basic breakdown of like common ingredients uh, that make up the three uh, parts of a scent. Right. Okay. Okay. I think I, I'm with you, I, and I I'm learning much more about smells. I didn't know there's these three sections. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Sorry. This is boring. But... No. No. This is actually interesting. Like we we should all know this about our uh, about one of our uh, dare I say undervalued senses. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So y- you have some uh, other other things here. Like what is what is this chart here? Is this like just basically like a basic breakdown of like how all different types of smells are like in a basic way like categorized? Yes. Is that... Yes. Okay. So so what are the what are what are the different ones on there? There's a woody oriental. Yeah. <laughs> which I would say a woody note is something that smells like burnt wood, tobacco, like cedar or like warm leather and oriental it's their uh sensual heady notes of like vanilla musk and resin so um a good example would be like calvin klein obsession uh 
that is an oriental. Okay. I don't know if that's a woody oriental, but that's an oriental. Um, and then it, it kind of goes around to just oriental, soft oriental. Then we get into floral oriental, which is an oriental around rose, jasmine, lilac, something of that nature. Uh, it goes to soft floral, which uh, is like an iris plant is very soft floral, I believe. It's mm-hmm. um, I think it's also kind of powdery smell. Uh, then it goes to water, which is... Was, water? Yeah, that was very big in the 90s. That was like the CK1 and uh, Tommy Hilfiger. Okay. And those kind of smells where it's... Um, they quantify it as water, so... I, I don't know if I can. It's like the ocean why. or something. <laughs> it's it's like fresh, like fresh salty it's, air or yeah, something. Yeah, it's almost like um like a dry dryer sheet. You know, like uh, clean. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, kind of yeah. see it as like clean, clean laundry smell. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then that goes all the way to green, freshly mown lawns, or like a violet leaf. You know, like the leaves of something just been picked. Uh, that goes to a citrus. We've been over citrus, and then it, it goes all the way back to woods. Okay, so when you're working in your lab, like, what is, like, the strongest ingredient you ever, like, you've ever experienced? Like, or is there certain types of ingredients that are just, like, overpowering and you're just like, oh, God. Yeah, there are plenty (laughs) of materials that uh, we're supposed to use in a hood, which is, uh, it's, like, overly ventilated. Uh, I don't know if you did that in high school or college, but you would, like, go under a hood and, like, all the fumes, noxious (laughs) gases go up from, yeah, so there's a couple materials. so, uh, so I'm imagining, like, are you, are, you, is it, are you in, like, a hazmat suit and you're, like, <laughs> well, these smells are that strong? I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story. There was, uh, there was a material called diacetyl. Uh, this is actually about flavors. Flavors and fragrance are actually interrelated. They use the same uh, ingredients sometimes uh, unless, like, fragrance has, uh, can use a lot more because yeah. you're not ingesting it. I mean, you're yeah. putting it on your skin, but it's, it's a little different. So there was a company that made um, popcorn, like the microwave popcorn, and diacetyl was... It was included, and it would make uh, it was included in the butter, the butter flavor. Yeah. Uh, so they would like burn. They would cook, not burn. They would cook popcorn or cook the kernels in the diacetyl or whatever, and the diacetyl would be heated, and it was giving off these noxious fumes. Uh, the the poor guys that worked in the plant developed something called, which was termed uh, popcorn lung. Oh, so <laughs> they. Uh, um, they are no longer with us. Uh, I shouldn't be laughing, but it's, popcorn lung, it's just... It's a its a lousy way to go. I mean, <laughs> oh, man. What happens when you, you, you get to the afterlife? How'd you eat it? Popcorn. Pop, yeah. It's a little... Yeah, you know, popcorn lung. Yeah, it's not a its not a very like poetic way to die. <laughs> right. So that material has been replaced with other things, but I've smelled diacetyl and I've smelled what it's been replaced with, and I'm like, there, I'm... I'm probably dying right now. There's no way that this Just is good slowly, for me. Just slowly, yeah. The, the hood is not doing enough. I don't think so. So there's there's a number <laughs> of materials like that that are just like you you would put them in a fragrance really diluted, sometimes less than one percent. So when you get your assignment and you see that it uh, this this uh, you know this scent you're going to have to work on is using this stuff, are you just like oh shit? Yeah, I'm like <laughs> I'm going to smell like this for at least two days. Oh man, okay. And so, wait, what? So, what does that kind of smell like? Uh, it's a buttery note, but it's overpowering. Why it it's likes, called popcorn lung? <laughs> yeah, it it really like stings your nostrils, and uh, I would say like I have a physical reaction to it. I don't know if that's because I've been doing it for so long, but um, I'm I'm pretty sure that's my body's way of telling me like this is killing you. Like you need <laughs> to stop doing this. So, <laughs> okay. but yeah, it's buttery. It's uh, 
pungent. Um, it's it's almost a little sulfury. It's hard to describe, but it's you just know it's not good for you. It's happening. Um, and so, like, what is your like your workspace? You said you're in a lab. Like, right. I'm trying to imagine uh, your environment here. So my workspace, I have a balance, uh, and the balance is where I weigh the material, um, obviously. Uh, <laughs> and then I have a bunch of um, materials next to me uh, on my carousel. Um, and then I have a lot of shelf space. And all on the shelf space is every open project. And if the open project uh, is too big to put on the shelf, it goes in the back on some rolling racks, alphabetized, uh, whatever, yeah. organization. So... <laughs> So it's like a weighing system and you have all these uh, things that can come out in racks and uh, the actual the actual ingredients and stuff. Like what are they kept in? We use amber bottles and amber jars that uh, it keeps the sun out of. And is this pretty uniform for like every type of source and ingredient? Or Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so I'm imagining it's a pretty sterile environment as well. Right. Is this like yeah. a stereotypical lab that I can imagine in my head is kind of like this environment yeah we don't have like bunsen burners or, yeah. or things that you use in high school or but, college. Yeah. but um yeah it's uh it's a sterile environment there's uh lab coats and safety goggles and, and sometimes your giant hoods protect right the hood <laughs> gloves a lot of um a lot of safety protocols and uh really cracking down on that so <laughs> Okay, so when you're coming up with the scents and you're making uh, the formulas, you're adjusting things, and like, do you have like a good grasp of like all the ingredients out there, or is there some sort of like master resource you go to for certain types of uh, ingredients to create the smells to add to the mixture, or are you like, is everything in your head that you're able to just like work on the fly? Well, um, I worked with, I have a perfumer that I've been working with for a number of years, so we kind of, I kind of know how he works, so uh -huh. like. Uh, when I look at a formula and I'm, I'm compounding, I, I kind of know where he's going with it. Um, in general, I mean, uh, not to like trivialize what he's doing, like, obviously he has a better understanding, but I mean, I've picked up some things yeah. in, my, in my, <laughs> my time, but, um, everything is cataloged. Uh, it's, uh, everything is traced. Everything is a lot number. Um, it's all, we're big on traceability. I mean, if there's a, an issue with something we're working on that's a way we can figure it out we can see well we use this material but this material we got new uh a week ago and two weeks ago we were using the old lot and there wasn't an issue so maybe it's this material so it, there's like a good way of like problem solving yeah if we have like stability issues some something that goes awry but i mean there's a whole database we have a whole we have numerous computer systems that we can access our entire ingredient catalog and order. So if you were able, like, if you were to shift, like, uh, just a little tad of the of the formula a tiny bit, just because you felt like it, would your boss know? Do they have these, like, super sophisticated right. sense of smells where they're like, uh, uh, no, that's not right. There are a few people uh, in the company <laughs> that, you know. They're like, watch out, like, don't mess up. This guy has a nose like a German shepherd. Like, there, yeah. there have been stories of that. I haven't experienced that, you know. I make mistakes, and I'm like anyone else. Well, yeah. it's 5 o'clock. Um, I was like 0 0.02 grams over on something. Like, yeah. what is it going to – is it really – I'll fix it if it if it's a win. You know, like, if, if we go forward with that trial from that base, like, sure. Like, I'll get it right the next time. <laughs> 
Okay, but but if it hit that uh, the the German Shepherd boss, he'd be like, no, 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 no. So, do you have a personally like a heightened sense of smell? Would you say like, wh- like uh, does smell come into importance for you in your daily job, or is it more of the like you said the phrase compounding before? Mm-hmm. I definitely use my smell, my sense of smell. Uh, if I'm using material. Uh, and I am a little questionable about the color or the consistency of it. I'll smell check it myself, but I, I usually, to be safe, I usually ask another technician or I'll ask my perfumer. I like to get a, a number of opinions, but I mean, if it was just me, like, yes, I could probably, I could probably figure out a lot of things. With- but, but so it's not necessarily in your like uh, realm of responsibility to have to rely on your nose, but now that you You've been working in this job for this long. You've just picked up some things, like you said. Right, right. But I mean, that's only that's only uh, a small aspect of humoring. But yes, I could I could probably pick things up easily. So the evaluators is like how do, how many options are then they given for something? Is it are they given options or is it like here's this revise it? Here's this like it's just a constant back and forth. Or? So evaluators tend to they have relationships with the perfumers as well, mm-hmm. and they'll. They'll have like workshop meets where they smell uh, a, a whole different variations, different smells. I'm sorry, with a <laughs> different perfumer, and um, then they'll like make notes, and then they will like see a client, and then they'll go back to the perfumer and be like, "So this client wants so and so. When I smelled this with you, I really liked that." And they'll work with like five to ten perfumers, and they'll get like three or four submissions from each, and then they'll throw that to the client client will smell they'll say which ones they like which one and sometimes you know a perfumer can be knocked out in the first round (laughs) so it's and it's different perfumers within your company or within multiple companies it's within our company like the evaluator Uh, represents a bunch of perfumers in our company and then i'm sure the client is seeing other evaluators from from other uh firms interesting so So it's very competitive not only are they competing with outside uh perfumers but they're competing with their their confidants and their their brethren as well you know that's interesting so does is there a a bit of ego in this world of the perfumers a bit um (laughs) i mean of course that's all part of it it's uh because it is i mean it's fashion so yeah there has to be i i believe it's you probably would need that you would need a huge ego if you believe yourself to be an artist all that oh man so fired (laughs) (laughs) no hey no one knows where you work (laughs) Um, okay. So, so we walked through the process of kind of like creating a smell in a way. Um, I, I guess, well, how, actually how many rounds of like revisions, like what is the average like length of time it takes for like, uh, an, an ask from a client and then the creation then to go to like market or, you know, sometimes you get really lucky and it's like the 10th thing you do. They're like, we love this. We're done. Like this is going to be the launch. This nice. Is great. But most of the time, you're it's hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of revisions. It's just every day you're cranking out like twenty to twenty five um, on just one project. Yeah. And then you might have a few other projects going on. So then you have to do that. It can get really, really insane. The uh, so what's the so how like just on average then like how long does the whole process take for something you say three to six months i would say is, okay. is a good okay. bet sometimes longer 
there's really, I mean, I wish I could give you an average, but it, it's no, I, that's helpful. That's helpful. Three to six months. I think, yeah, I think that, I think that kind of makes sense. Just knowing from like, I, like I, I work in a world where there's lots of uh, hierarchy and layers and co- approval processes and revisions. So three to six months sounds about right to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I actually, when these evaluators that are, you know, you know, evaluating the smells, like how do they cleanse like their palate, like in terms of smell, like, is there a way that are, that they can do this? Um, I think they just stop. They take like a, a just a, like a deep breath. And yeah. Then, okay. On to the next one. It's pretty much it. Uh, um, I thought I was curious if there was something that you know they cleanse the palate somehow. I, like maybe they have some trade secrets that I'm not aware of. But my, <laughs> I don't know. My perfumer will come in, uh, and he 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 will have a headache for like the first hour in the morning. He's like, I was smelling three four hours last night. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, of course you have a headache. I like how he just uses that verb. I was smelling for three four hours. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, like how many scents are you working on at once? Would you say, like, uh, or for, like compounding your uh, projects at once? I guess anywhere from five to ten is like when we are not busy but like stable. But I would say we have like my perfumer. He has a problem with uh, closing projects. Like they might fail it with one evaluator, but he'll leave it open and uh, he'll pitch it to somebody else for some other project. So. Like, personally, I don't know if this is, like, this is just, like, his, the way he works. He can't let go a project. I have, like, 100, 150 open projects, I would say. (laughs) Things that, like, I can't throw away or things that, like, he still tries to push on people. But I would say, like, in general, I would say probably, like, 50, 25, 50, somewhere in that range. Most perfumers have, like, going. But in your typical day, then, like, are you touching five to ten different projects a day you would say absolutely okay. probably more wow that's <laughs> crazy so what is what is the organizational structure then like you're saying you work with this perfumer and like who are you working with like on a daily basis then like that you most most interact with uh mostly with other lab technicians okay uh we we um we share a lab so uh we share a, a material stock room um so a lot of times i need a material and i'll have to go search it out that's a good way to be social and yeah yeah uh, (laughs) pretend you're going to find an ingredient oh i took oh i'm gonna go say hey yeah yeah (laughs) right so i mostly lab techs otherwise uh my perfumer i would say i have a pretty strong relationship with but i mean the whole company in general i mean it's like any other your perfumer is like your boss your immediate boss then I I have a number of I mean it's a corporate structure yeah so yeah I, but so you're immediate it's like boss. office space yeah there's a lab manager that I answer to okay and then there's a a manager of my department that is I would say those two control my life more than the perfumer they definitely have some pull but I don't directly answer to them uh-huh. so. but so how does one like advance in the, in in your world like as a lab technician and what like what's after lab technician then right so you have a couple options. Um, at least in my company, you can you can go into sales, um, you become an evaluator, uh, or you can be evaluator is an interesting job. You work with it's it's really client driven. So you deal with the client, and then you get all the comments from the client, and you're sort of like the buffer between the artist, the perfumer, and the client. You sort of filter their negative comments in a like a positive spin to them <laughs> because they're probably don't want to hear that their creations are yeah. That was shit, you yeah. know, like that. Yeah. They don't want to hear that. So that's an interesting job. I mean, perfumer. I would say it's difficult if you're if you're trying to become a fine fragrance perfumer because how how unless they create new molecules or like new find new flowers or like 
where can we really go for fumery? I'm not really sure. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, I kind of see it now as not that I, I mean, I'm in it and I love it not to get me wrong, but it's like, <laughs> it's part of the fashion industry. So it's just like, it's this, these cycles of it's what's, cy- what's popular exactly. in terms of smell. Yeah. So, but, but there are, uh, there's, a, there's like synthetic smells then that are being created, right? So there are plenty of, we use synthetic materials all the time. Uh, there, but are they creating new smells or are they just replicating existing? So they're types of both. There okay. are, there, there are, uh, depending on the big four, they, there's a big, um, movement in a lot of the these companies where they create new molecules they're trying to find new ways to create smells synthetically and uh cheaply and maintain the patent and it's it's one part business and one part like well this is this smells like so and so material but like times five (laughs) so we have the patent on it and we we can use less of it so it's all it's all about money i think but um Okay, so how did you get these scientific skills? Like, is that your background? Is like a art, like chemistry kind of? Not thing? at all. I got it through nepotism. I, uh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I um I studied sociology in college, so I wouldn't recommend that. Um, <laughs> really, not a lot of jobs out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I in college I got a job at a flavor company. Uh, my mom worked at this company, and she was in the fragrance department, and uh, I started working in the flavor. Uh, it was just like a temporary job, um, and they really liked me, and they saw that I was motivated, and I really liked what I was doing, and I was interested, and I asked a lot of questions. They kept me on for uh, three or four years, and um, by then, I think I was like sophomore in college, and I was like, I don't want to change majors. I probably should have, like in <laughs> hindsight. Probably would have been the smart move, but I, I was like, I'm just going to get into the workforce and make some money. So I I continued my degree at night and I just worked full time um graduated and then at some point I I went to a smaller company and got into fragrance and then I got into one of the big 4 and I've been there for a number of years now. Okay, so how many how many years have you been like in perfume then? Uh I would say 8 or 9. Okay, like so that. yeah, you've de- definitely enough time to be able to like pick up some things along right. the way through yeah. like work experience, but yeah, yeah, I don't have a chemistry background. At don't all. have a chemistry background, so yeah, I was curious if you did, like you know, you know, would you people you know through chemistry, and then you're like, I'm working in perfume, or like, are they? What are their thoughts on that? You know, is like, I mean, the industry in itself, uh, there are plenty of people that don't have those degrees and that are working in a lab, and then there are other people that have fashion degrees that are working not in the lab but in perfumery world so it's not all that uncommon but it definitely would have helped to know some chemistry (laughs) probably well yeah i mean but uh you you have practical knowledge and so it's that's what's important you know (laughs) right right so what's what's your favorite and your least favorite part of your job um my favorite part would be seeing something that i worked on like be sold on a shelf like it's like oh okay. oh yeah like, i imagine that would be pretty cool for yeah. something you know like yeah. all the open there's a tangible things. right i can i it. can see yeah. like something i worked on was on a billboard and i see it in stores and people wear it and they compliment it's like okay like yeah, I'm yeah sure i didn't create it but i was a part of the process oh yeah, yeah. And, like, you, had, great. you had a role in that for sure <laughs> um what i don't like uh, I mean, the personalities sometimes are a little much. I mean, we all have our bad days, right? We're all yeah. human. We all, yeah. sometimes it's it's hard to deal with 
the big personality. So just the general like kind of office culture of right. people, right? Yeah. Like yeah. anyone else, it's yeah. Office like, lab culture, you know. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, have there been any particular, likely, particularly memorable? Uh, projects in terms of like a fun project or a horrible project that you've worked on that you can be vague about for the, you know, of course. <laughs> okay. So I was, we, we won this particular, he, he's an artist who is a celebrity. We won his, his fragrance, which was nice. <laughs> and I was actually featured in a, uh, like a 60 second video that was like part of the ad campaign, I guess, or something along those lines. But it, it the best part was it wasn't me. It was just my hands like, <laughs> compounding. And oh, you're thing. a hand model. Yeah. Okay. That was the big joke. It's just nice. Like, beautiful hands, Brian. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Yeah. I, I would totally enjoy that. Um, working in this world then, do you have a personal like favorite scent that you're like you encounter? Like, do you, do you have a favorite now? Like you're so in tune with like smells every day. Like, you know, it's actually quite the opposite. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't even want to wear fragrance. Yeah. Like, which is probably a bad sign for my career maturation. It's like, you probably have to be obsessed with fragrance. I'm kind of, when the day's over, I'm like, I, I really don't want to wear it. I'm kind of done with it. Uh, but I mean, sure. There are things that I like, um, certain, certain, uh, fragrances that i like that i won't disclose because if i was to say a competitor of fragrance <laughs> well uh, no if i say that it was so-and-so fragrance they will know that what company i work for oh okay okay um so do you get like when you tell people you're a perfumer technician do you get just like a lot of dumb questions then about that not really i mean i don't i I'm pretty receptive. I, I'll answer whatever, but <laughs> and most of the time it's like, so do you make your own fragrances? I'm like, no. Why, why would I? I yeah. I, people do that and they make it way better than me. I don't like, yeah. unless I want to be a perfumer. Like, yeah. That's the only rationale, but I don't. So um, like what, what are like the major issues in the perfumer world? Like a lot of, Oh, excuse me. Uh, industries, there's like, you know, sustainability is like an issue. Mm -hmm. um, is there anything besides like that that I, I just wouldn't be aware of? Actually, I wanted to mention that. So sustainability is interesting because, uh, for for instance, the, the you, are you familiar with sandalwood? I think it was. It came, yeah. yeah. It I don't know why. I'm, for some reason, I heard of East Indian sandalwood oil. Yes. It's <laughs> it's like popular, I would say. Uh, I think there was probably it. a product we had to advertise here. Okay. <laughs> that had that in it. So sandalwood was like uh, decimated through like natural disaster and um, poachers, actually, because it became so valuable that people would come, come by with like AK-47s oh, and steal whole sandalwood plants so what a majority of these uh fragrance companies are doing now is they are making synthetic sandalwood so the benefit of that is that yes it's sustainable and affecting the environment or you know dealing with war-torn nations and uh these poor people that have yeah i had no idea so like, that's one of the the nice things you hear it's like oh, okay so there, there are other ways to we can uh, synthesize sandalwood, which is great. Yeah, yeah. So there's that aspect. Um, but in general, uh, probably other issues that we have to deal. With. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be you as an organization, but just the industry in general. Like, I'm just curious of like if there's things that I just wouldn't be aware of are like issues like sustainability. Right. I mean, I think there's a good amount of carbon footprint 
from using all these oils. There's a, there's a good amount of waste, I would say. I don't feel very good about that. I'm not really sure what happens to all the things that I do. I'm not really sure if it's recycled, but yeah, uh, I would say that that's probably going to be a problem in the future. But for 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 a lot of industries, that's going to be a problem right, in the future, right? If there is a future, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> that, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> so, like in the digital culture now, would you agree that smell is an underrated sense? Or does your company like experiment with smell in terms of tying it to digital experiences? Like I've seen even like some marketing companies that I'm aware of have created things like the Oscar Mayer wake up and smell the bacon app. That was an alarm clock where you woke up to bacon smells. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, we, we're not on the forefront of any of that. Uh, we have our bread and butter, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if that occurred in the next five or 10 years. I'm never surprised with technology. and. I mean, obviously, as children, we, we liked scratches sniff books. We liked the markers that smelled like stuff, you know. Uh, yeah. Um, and it's a it's a powerful scent that, it, you're right, it doesn't get a lot of credit, but um, I don't know. It's I see it going. <laughs> see it going places. Yeah, It's going to sure. get into the digital uh, experience. 21st century uh, smelling eventually. Awesome. <laughs> so, like, like, speaking of children, then, like... Uh, I don't know if you know any of the science behind this, but I've heard something like, you know, smell triggered memories are more powerful or something like that. Absolutely. Do you know anything about that? Or Well, I mean, I've heard that as well. You're <laughs> to, when you study for a test, you're supposed to uh, wear perfume and then before the test, you spray it on and you smell and then you, what? you sort of trigger. <laughs> I've never heard yeah, this. Yeah, that, that was a cheat method. Oh, man. Um, uh, I, the, I totally missed out on that. <laughs> <laughs> the industry... Uh, it, it plays on that, you know, the, the certain smell reminds you of something. I mean, we kind of... When you say play on it, like, do you mean, like, they just use that in marketing, or is it actually... Like, I'm just wondering about the if you knew anything of the science behind it that could illuminate. No. Just something we, we've all heard, and it sounds like it could be true. It's possibly <laughs> true. <laughs> okay, so w when you leave work, um, and, and what time about you leave work? Is it about, like, you know, 6 p.m. normal time in New York kind of a thing? Uh, I'm, I'm in the office usually eight, eight thirty, and five thirty I leave six, most of, most nights five thirty. Okay. Uh, and most of my, uh, most of the other lab technicians at five, they don't stay late, but I, I usually stay a little. Um, since you're in a lab with all these smells, then like, do you then wash off in the lab at all? If you're working with like that horrible smell you were talking about before? No. Or just, do you just like, you just leave and you just kind of smell like this mix of weird things and then you go home and then. Yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> Um, I mean, we have like a safety shower and eye wash, but like we don't have like a facility where yeah. we all, you know, oh, good game today. Let's hit the showers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so do you live in the city then? Like, uh, you get yeah. off work, uh, you have an okay commute then? I live in Brooklyn. I live in Park Slope. So okay. It's, uh... It's not terrible. And wait, where is the? You're actually no, yeah, that would give it away. I mean, right. we, won't, we won't ask you where you're off. It's uh, it's around Some, somewhere in Manhattan. Man yeah, it's in Manhattan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so down to Park Slope. Yeah, that's like what train's that? Uh, well, I have my option because I get off at the Barclays Center. So okay. Oh, then you, got, then you got all. Yeah, you got all kinds of options. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you end up in New York then? Like, what's what's like your your background a little? Where you're like originally from? Okay, so. I was actually born in the Bronx, mm -hmm. um, and then we moved to New Jersey, and I lived in New Jersey and went to school in New Jersey for 25, no, 23 years. I was 25 when I finally moved out, 
Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I moved to Astoria, Queens because I, uh, I was working in the city with uh, this company and I got really sick and tired of doing the NJ Transit commute. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to Astoria because the rent was cheap and oh yeah, Astoria's awesome. I love that place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I had a, I had a really good time there. Uh, um, then so you're, you're I mean you're you're from the city, so you ended up in the city because you're from here. <laughs> a little bit. I mean, I uh, I just I I always was fascinated with the city as a kid. I'd grow up, we'd go into the city, you know, on the weekend or visit, yeah. you know, a Jewish relative or whatever in Brooklyn. <laughs> so so do you like living in New York then? Absolutely, it's the best. Okay, what what is what is what do you like the most, and like what do you like and dislike about it? I mean, I lo- what I like and dislike about it is the same thing. It's it's there's so many people, and it's like so alive all the time. Yeah. Um, which you know sometimes that annoys me, and sometimes that's great. I, you really appreciate it when you're you're you leave the city, and you're like, man, it's like two in the morning. I could really go for like a slice of pizza, or and it's like. That is out of the question. Or <laughs> like, I would like to go to a bar. I, yeah, I have a I, pizza place that's open till four a.m. across the street from me. Like, it's that's amazing. It's the best. <laughs> or like, I want to go to a show, like or a comedy club, or just something. I, you can do whatever you want, like just on a whim. Yeah. In any anywhere else, it's like, well, I didn't plan two weeks ago, and yeah, so, now oh, now I'm stranded somewhere, and this is closed. And, so, okay, I guess I'll go home. <laughs> I guess I'll go to Applebee's. Like, yeah. no, that sounds terrible. So do you do you plan on staying in New York for uh, the foreseeable future? Uh, we'll see. I mean, we'll see what the uh, the girlfriend wants. You know? <laughs> okay, okay. Right, probably uh, she's a little older than me, so she probably will. Uh, yeah, we'd live together now, and she'll probably be ready to leave at some point, and I'll I'll be like, well, I like you, so I guess I'm coming with you. Yeah, you know that's that's uh, I'm in a similar situation, but. Uh... Let's 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 get into the Brian questions now. And cool. uh, actually, for this, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna open up another beer. Uh, are are you good over there? I'm good. All right. Um. So the first uh the first Brian question is the starting one is like, do you know why your parents named you Brian? Um. It was the one. I'm a. I'm a child. I have uh, two brothers, and I'm a middle child. And um, my dad named the first one. My mom named the second one, and my dad named the third one. My dad was not a fan of my name. Whoa! Yeah, whoa! I'm playing words. All right. I've been told that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, wait. So he like it would literally like it was like nope. You get one, then you get one, then you get, and then they had it was no uh, no like conversation <laughs> i no like every time i think i brought this up as a kid it was like i named dan your mom <laughs> named you and i named aaron and it was like oh well but uh the, i i kind of stopped it there i was like i don't really i don't want to i don't i don't think there's a rhyme or reason i think my mom just just brian yeah but yeah you know do you do but do you know why she didn't spell it with a y at all did, did she ever tell you no but i'm really thankful she didn't because i i <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I've never really had a good. Are you are you Brian with a Y? No, 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 okay, no. Thank God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, it might be because I had a cousin. His name was Brian with a Y, and he like spilled milk all over my Monopoly when we were playing once as like kids. And I was like, "Fuck this kid!" I don't know. So you have some early like childhood prejudice against Y Brian's like ingrained in you now. Yeah, and then there was another Brian in grade school. I think that I had a, 
a fight with in like first or second grade, <laughs> and he was a, with a Y, and I'm convinced that Brian's Brian with a Y. I'm sure, may, you know what? Maybe there were some very nice Brian's with a Y. You know, I'm, I'm keeping an, I'm keeping an open mind. You know, right. I, I'm uh, I, I so far I've, I've there's been some interesting Y Brian's, but uh, you know, keeping an open mind so far. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm just prejudiced. <laughs> So, uh, what is your uh, ancestry then? Are you Irish at all to relate to the name Brian, or was it your mom? You don't know why your mom named you Brian, but um, my mom is like Irish and English. Uh, she actually has a relative that we trace back to um, the uh, Mayflower. Oh wow! Uh, George Soul was his name. Pretty cool, but I I don't know if there's a good amount of there's probably a good amount of people that are somehow related to uh, people that came from Mayflower. Like it, yeah, that, yeah. That I mean, it has to sense, be. Yeah, but uh, but to actually know is kind of cool. Yeah. So she's like a lot of European, I think. And then my dad is uh, Russian and Austrian. Um, and they they were the Snyders, but they traded. The story is a uh, an Ellis Island. It came after World War One, and they traded names with an Irish family. I forget what our, their names were, but they traded to Snyder somehow for some reason. I don't know if it was. My grandfather was hiding, or the, this dude was hiding, like, or <laughs> they were just like, we don't want to be, we don't want to have an Irish name because we would like to work. Like, I'm not really sure what the story is. Well, I think it's yeah, it's a lot of uh, there's a lot of name changing for various reasons, like but, Trump to Trump, Trump. right? <laughs> John Oliver, that's uh, I love that. But um, yeah, I, I'll never get the story because they're all dead. So I'll just. <laughs> theorize the rest of my life yeah that's how a lot of this goes but then you know from now on it's like everything will be documented digitally and so there's gonna be no mystery right like <laughs> dad you were stupid yeah in, in, in i, I year found 2008. this there's this thing called facebook that apparently you guys had back in the day and this photo i've seen i've seen parents create facebook's for their children it's like why would you do that he's a baby like you want me to add so your he child can grow into his account apparently <laughs> yeah you know there's grooming him <laughs> but uh so would you name your ch uh child brian if you and the the girl uh decide to settle down outside of new york somewhere would you name uh your kid brian um and have you named pets anything i um i would not name I would not have, like, Brian Jr. I think that's a little narcissistic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I want him to be his own man or, you know, uh, I think that's important individual. Not yeah. Like, you got to live up to me, son. Like, uh, <laughs> you don't smell enough. You know? Like, yeah. Uh, oh, you just started on the family smell trade, okay? <laughs> yeah, like, that uh, That sounds hilarious. My mind just went somewhere else. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, no worries. Um, but as far as pets, I mean, I had like Harvey the hamster and the pet Harvey. All yeah. right. Um, I feel. I feel. And then like... I have a cat now, and her name's. But yeah, that okay. was only because we got her. Uh, she had had a litter of kittens, so it was like Mama Mia. Just kind of. Yeah, worked. I feel like Brian's have been have named things that are like they do a good job for that. So far, I've, it's been it's been interesting. <laughs> But uh, yeah, the data set then for what you, Brian, you have been named amongst other names is, or so someone named an Aaron, uh, Brian, and what was the other one? Daniel. Daniel. So okay, it kind of makes sense. You know, they're I all kind of generic, biblical, right? <laughs> yeah, they're all yeah, they're all kind of. Even though we're not religious, but yeah. <laughs> okay, so here's a here's a Brian trivia question, um, and I'm gonna give you it's multiple choice. So okay, you know, uh, it's not gonna be too hard, but. 
Brian Mulroney. I didn't know this answer, by the way, so I don't feel wrong. Bad if you get it wrong. Uh, Brian Mulroney led his nation for nearly nine years, but resigned shortly before his party suffered a record defeat in elections held in 1993. Which nation was this? Uh, New Zealand, Australia, Ireland, or Canada? I'm going to go with New Zealand. Uh, sorry, it was Canada. Canada? <laughs> yeah, apparently Brian Mulroney was the 18th Prime Minister of Canada, holding office from 84 to 93 like he took over the leadership of the progressive conservative party in 83 and led him to a convincing elective election victory the following year his first term in office was notable for a free trade agree- agreement with you the u.s and trying to resolve the status of the canadian constitution which quebec uh quebec uh, however you pronounce that uh, had previously refused to sign and is also known for an embarrassing number of scandals. Uh, and then they're saying his second term was even less successful due to the worldwide economic crisis and his growing personal unpopularity. <laughs> what is it with uh, Canadian politicians? I mean, the one that I know of was Tom Tom Ford. Is that his name? Not Tom. Oh, Ford. Rob Ford. Rob Ford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom yeah, yeah. Ford is fragrance. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're still I'm in sorry. the fragrance world. Rob Ford, uh, God rest his soul. Uh, yeah, he was like a crazy away. cokehead, like just in, had the funniest videos about like, showing he him. Seemed, he seemed like a guy that you would want to hang out with, you know, but not run. <laughs> uh, hang out with your uh, city at a bachelor party that you do once every like five years <laughs> true there was a bit of coke and hookers happening uh, it was a little much yeah so yeah canadian politicians apparently i didn't, I didn't know about this uh beforehand but yeah apparently he was uh he led canada for a while and was not not very successfully though um and he was part of nafta he was like that agreement was it uh it, was it that it trade said agreement? Uh, i don't know it just says you're uh notable for signing of a free trade agreement with the united states yeah, that's that's all it says. <laughs> all right. I'm gonna assume that's NAFTA, and people but, uh, take issue with that. So we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll Google Brian Mulroney uh, after this. The the other Brian's listening are probably know more about this. But uh, <laughs> so if you had to choose a first name other than Brian, what would it be? Do you have an answer for this, or is this just uh, this is a tough question actually? Is um would it be a first name or like a uh, first name? Yeah. Oh, just a first name. Yeah. Uh, if you gonna, had to. I was gonna say like Max Power. That would be awesome, but um, <laughs> uh, you know, never really. Daddyo, let's say Daddyo. Daddyo, that's a you know, that's an that's an interesting and fun first name. I I, I approve of that. That's probably the most uh, comical name so far. That's been given. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been interesting to see if people have like a answer already that are like, yeah, I wish I was. This is always wondered. <laughs> Why did you did you suffer from? No, no, no. I'm I I. This is a hard question for me to try to decide. You're like, fuck that, I'm Brian. No, yeah, I'm Brian all the way, man. <laughs> all the way. Uh, so overall, has Brian been a plus or a minus in your life? Um, you know, I would say for the first, like, 25 years of my life, everyone called me Snyder. Uh, okay, just okay. I guess there's something about my yeah, there's personality. Something about, well, there's something about people's just last names, too, that it's like... They call them just by their last name sometimes. But you know? even like girls would call me Snyder. And then like <laughs> I'd start dating them and they'd be like, do I know Snyder or like, I, I don't know. My girlfriend calls me Brian, but. Uh, well, yeah, that'd be weird if she was like, hey, Snyder. Yeah, it's, <laughs> but, but I would say for the first like 25 years of my life, I acted like a Snyder. Like I really, I don't think I was doing the Brian name justice. They were like, you're fucking Snyder. Like you're not Brian. <laughs> So have you ever had any like uh, memorable instances of your name being misspelled brain? 
Oh yeah, all the time. All the time. But is there anything that like sticks out to you as particularly memorable? I feel like all Brian's, uh, you know, have the issue of just you know mail and like things just being re- like email is all being misspelled yeah. brain. I mean, it happens all the time. Um, I'll get an email at work and it'll say brain. It's like you really didn't like like I guess you hit <laughs> spell check like some people do, but it would yeah. it wouldn't catch it would just be like oh i guess you're just writing brain capitalized the, the funny time is when it's like you get somebody in like yeah like an email chain or something that just thinks it's hilarious like it's the first time it's ever happened to you as well right <laughs> yeah it's okay if it's like like a wedding invitation or something like that it's like well like only i'm seeing this like that's fine but like a chain like that like it can <laughs> okay so two-part question uh dead or alive um if you could choose one other brian to meet who would it be and then also not necessarily who you would want to meet, but then who is your favorite Brian? Okay. Um, probably Brian Adams. To meet or your favorite? I would want to meet him. Okay, meet him. Uh, no, no. I probably wouldn't want to. I would have, he's Canadian. I'd have nothing to talk to him. I would probably want to meet, <laughs> like, Brian Cranston. Okay. I like, because I watched Breaking Bad. You know I, you're naming two Y Brians, and you have a prejudice against Y Brians. I know. Maybe, well, maybe uh, that, that, uh, was, that would be something I could bring up. I could be like... I have this uh, retarded prejudice against people with why. So I, I mean, I think you're kind of proving your your own argument against it. Like these are the ones you are you're interested in. <laughs> I think you're right. I'm glad that I I went to this podcast. I'm really realizing this has been a, this has myself. been a learning moment for. Yeah, all, for I feel all like Brian's. I should pay you. Yeah, like, uh, I feel like I just went in therapy. Yeah, you know. I mean, there's the interesting thing is that you know, Brian's with a Y are. They look at Brian's of an eye as like the they're the majority and they are the minority within okay. the subset. So I I never thought about what Shit. that would be like. You know. So I've just been like an asshole keeping Brian's with a Y down. This yeah, time. you've been an asshole. God damn. <laughs> no, but I think I think Cranston I would talk to because I I was one of the few people that watched Breaking Bad uh, like episodically. Like Before a, like, it got cool. <laughs> yeah, I hate, yeah, that was really pretentious. Sorry, yeah. guys. That was one of the few Brian's. Or the, yeah. yeah, you know what? Brian's with eyes suck, all right? <laughs> I'm becoming more self-aware. We're terrible. No, um, uh, so every every week it was I would be, like, theorizing what was happening. That's the worst way to watch a show. Like, now, like... Oh, you're, like, you're all about the binge then. Right? Yeah, okay. yeah. It's, yeah. it's so good. much better. I mean, there's, there's plus and minuses. You know. I mean, I watch like Game of Thrones. Yeah, episodically, you have to because everyone will spoil it otherwise. It's true. Like, yeah. you, you have no other choice. You don't. You can't even watch it episodically. You just have to. You have to watch it like the night of before you get into work. Otherwise, it's ruined. Yeah, you can't go on Twitter or Facebook or anything. Nothing. It's just... <laughs> okay, so uh, so I have to ask now. This is a uh, second to last question. So when you first heard about this show, wh- like what was your initial at- reaction and like what made you reply? Was it a sense of duty to the other Brian's? Was it a promise of free beer? Was it just a sense of curiosity? Wh- what was uh, your initial reaction? Well, um, I was in Costa Rica mm-hmm. uh, on a vacation, uh, <laughs> which was awesome. Um, and we were uh, at, at the resort and the sh- there was a show on, there was a show on every night. And this particular show, it was Greece. And, <laughs> I was like, oh, hell no. Like, <laughs> I've never sat down and watched Grease, whatever. So we're sitting there watching Grease and like, oh, sweet, I have Wi-Fi. I'm going to check my phone. Yeah. So somebody posted on my wall, like, you should do this podcast. Oh, someone posted on your Facebook? Yeah. That's awesome. And, I mean, I'm on vacation. Uh, <laughs> it's after dinner. I'm drunk. So I'm like, I'm going to respond. I'm going to send Craigslist, like, 
So the first email I wrote to you, I was really drunk. So that oh, was good. what, what Elka, made me... Elk, El, what I got you here was alcohol and the promise of more alcohol. Exactly right. All right, good, good. I, I, I approve of that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, this has been fun. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Brian.